Hello and welcome to the Charge Down. Um, Six Nations not quite in the books, but it's uh, pretty. Well, it's in the books for four of the six teams. Um, I hear England so, yeah. finished fifth. <laughs> yeah, which is surprising. Um, but first, before we get into that, I just want to give an update on um, my little project I'm working on at the moment, uh, running the Bronco, and. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to talk about the statistical analysis thing. <laughs> well, no, that that that's another project I'm working on. But the Bronco, um, it's really really hard. Yeah, why would it well, so? What they don't have elite... why, are you, why are you doing that to yourself? Because it's uh, I I just was curious because I saw Hugo Keenan did it in four minutes eleven seconds, and I was like, it can't be that hard. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought to myself, I could probably beat that. <laughs> So it started off. I didn't finish it on Wednesday. Uh, took me over fifteen minutes on Thursday. Holy <laughs> you for real? Yeah, and oh, then uh, any better in fairness. I did it in eleven minutes fifty-seven seconds today. So four minutes of an improvement. Yeah, that's pretty good. If I My keep God, that, if you, if you yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you keep up them results. Yeah, I'll you'll, be. Uh, you'll be doing it in negative time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just the project I'm working on at the moment. Um, but yeah, back to the Six Nations. Uh, yeah, we, we'll start we'll start with Ireland, okay? Because that's the one we're probably most concerned with. And overall, the the huge thing that I came away with is where the hell did that come from? Like, okay, well, for me, if you look at the two tries, they're actually incredibly fine margins. Mm -hmm. uh, both involving Curry. Um, no, that's not to say I think Curry's a bad player. He's a phenomenal player, but like, just watch it again. The Jack Connell one was clearly a set play, and I'm glad it paid off because it showed. Do set plays, you get rewards. But I mean, like, part of me wonders if if it had to come off perfectly, i.e., Curry hadn't been there disrupting, would the ball even have been where it needed to be, sort of thing? Because it wasn't clean, but it worked out perfectly somehow. Which you know, mm. I guess half a dozen of one, whatever the. 12 of the other <laughs> <laughs> whatever that is and then if you look at the other one there's like a I, I think Curry should have been closer to the Rook first off before Jack uh, took from the back of the Rook and dotted it down but if you look next, the next man I think it was the hooker was yeah. worried about the quick ball out left of the Rook okay okay but I still feel Curry should have been in tighter anyway but if you watch there's like literally a half second where Curry shoots his head up to pick him, pick his man in the defensive line and right at that instant is when Jack picks up the ball, and I don't think Jack realized that. It was just pure coincidence that that's when it happened. I still think he would have got in even if Curry had been staring right at him because he was too far away from the rook for me. But uh, yeah, it just highlights, I think, the fine margins that that victory was built on. Mm. Also, Sexton kicking like near perfectly, or if not perfectly, was obviously a big help. But uh, yeah, I think everything went right. And then once things start going right, sometimes it's that sort of cascade effect. Mm. It didn't, it didn't necessarily feel like a lot of things went wrong for England either. Like, I don't know that they were particularly error-prone error throughout, but it was kind of like one of those days, you know. And that's not to take away from Ireland's victory. You know, we were a lot better than than just winning on fine margins. We were dominant throughout. But um, A lot of people were saying it, it was the best, um, best performance under Andy Farrell and possibly our best since we played the All Blacks in 2019. Yeah. Um, I agree with Dave that there's fine margins because the first 10 minutes of that game, I was like, 
this is just like the other matches. We're going to get hammered. Mm. Really negative um, experience because England got three points free. Mm. They had a mall in the corner that we managed to stop. That was a great bit of play from Henderson, I think it was, or Byrne. Mm. Um, and Henshaw made several big plays that if he doesn't make that their England score or in much better position to score. And like if England build up a lead then, we might not get it back. And that, that's yeah. just another game. I am um, I think England were pretty poor. Mm. But not so poor as to explain the difference between the teams. We definitely def- played well. Um because we saw a set piece strike move we were calling for. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It was nice to see it like. Yeah. I, I was questioning initially whether it was a Seppi's move, and then I was like, well, why is Earl's there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually charging into the space. He's either some like telepath or it's clearly being uh, set up. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Andy I was actually, more, was I was actually happier with the second try mm-hmm. just because it was, it was built on multi phase uh, play. Do you know the Johnny Sexton hoof it up in the air thing? Like, much that we might malign it, it actually seems to be paying off a good bit lately, <laughs> which is bizarre. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess they'll keep doing it because it is getting results. Henshaw seems to be the one chasing a lot of those kicks, which I'm, I'm not saying it's his fault that it's paying off, but <laughs> he seems to be a big part of its success. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you about the second try. It was the, like, the most pleasing part of the entire game. I know... Dave, you were talking about like was was Curry in the wrong spot, but like we gone through so many phases that their defense didn't know where we were going, and mm. the, you know the, the continuity that we had created you know split second indecision in the defense, and that's what what I got to get through. Um, I don't know if you got when you guys said this during the week, but every Irish player bar Henderson touched the ball in that passageway. Oh really? Which is insane. Oh, yeah, that's fourteen fun. players, everyone bar Henderson, uh, who was in like almost every rook. Um, like if you can do that, like you're maybe going to score. I get very close to it. Um, um, hmm. yeah, that was that passage bay was the most pleasing thing um, about the whole game for me. Okay, not to put a negative spin on it because we're obviously all on a bit of a high, but I wonder if I can think of countless examples from the last year where it felt like we had a lot of possession in the opponent's half and went through a lot of phases and then ended up getting nothing from it. I wonder if you went back and looked at some of those passages of play, would they have instances where, say, 14 or 13 of the lads had a possession during that instance and it was that nothing came of it that it wasn't impressive, if you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. I know what you mean, but the difference the difference here is that we actually went somewhere. Like, yeah, the, the problem with Ireland in, in Antifaro, we've had plenty of possession, but it's a situation where you get into the opposition's half and we're just bashing away, bashing away, bashing away, going nowhere. But, like, yeah. every, every couple of Every couple of phases, we were making ground. Like there was, didn't stand or make a half break or burn or someone and off goes and stuff. So I think we were adding to the possession that we know we could, like the recycling of the possession that we know we can do, and we yeah. added a bit more nous or guile it, or some other buzzword. Yeah. But like we were actually making ground. Uh, <laughs> it, it, where I think the attack was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was better, but like. We, we had a number of good attacks as opposed to attack being good. I think it's a better way to describe it because we had two moves before we scored where we ran into touch. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It, was, it was good scrum ball, middle of pitch, touch. And that, I, at that stage, I was like, okay, we've, it's one of these days again. <laughs> I was, I was r- r- uh, revving up my typewriter to tear <laughs> so like, But I don't think you can say that um, 
oh, we were we missed this during the Six Nations. We could clearly see them building towards this. This came out of nowhere, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, um, there's still an issue with the box. Yes. Um, our passing was 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 much better than it has been, and I don't know why that should be the case. But yeah, they're they're like if if we're if there's no set play and it's just you know we're, we're trying to get a wide and exploit space, we're still terrible at it. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. Um, like the set piece stuff and the game between the backs and forwards looks good, but yeah, there's still there's still an issue out there. It could um, be to do with uh, maybe teams don't like uh, think we have much of a carrying threat in type. Like, like I don't, I think we have some solid carriers, but as far as an out and out like game breaker in the forwards, I'm not sure we have that. So it's possible teams don't like. Um, I thought sorry when I say we didn't attack that well. I thought we definitely shifted the ball away from contacts against England. So it wasn't us just running up blind alleys. There was always like an option, not always, but there's a lot of options in the forwards. Um, and it was rarely just like one off uh, pick and go, one off pick and go, or one off to a stationary runner. We didn't let the England use their size to advantage in defense. Um, which I thought was a one thing I, we, I spoke about, and I think he has agreed with me last week, uh, was the passion factor. I wonder how much of that came into play in relation to CJ giving us a send off to CJ. Like, you know what I mean? It did. Mm. I, I would imagine it played some part because, yeah, know, definitely it's a game of emotion. As, as you say, it kind of did come out of nowhere. Not, I don't agree with that entirely, but yeah. like the level of performance was a sufficient step up that something, something else was at play to me. And I wonder if that was it. Now, maybe that's all they'll need to go on and step up going forward is that one performance. And mm. we'll see more close to that consistently, i.e. it was just a low confidence issue. And now that they see that they can do it, they'll be like, yeah, fuck it, let's just do it. You know, there'll be less of a hang-up. And I mean, like, it is England that's kind of that old enemy, like, you know. Mm. On, but like, on the flip side of it, I think England really opted that, like, yeah. you know, um, the manager's job might be at risk. They were like immediately all the kind of like stuff coming out of camp. People say to journalists that was a miserable Six Nations. Like no one enjoyed training. They hated being in the bubble. Um, and I think it would be a perfect storm of yeah, us paying for CJ and them um, just wanting to finish this fucking thing and get it over with. Um, People were saying that. Yeah. Like, now, in fairness, it could be that um, there's a headline I saw was a miserable camp, but I think it was. Some people took that as it was Eddie Jones's fault, but some people were saying that it was miserable because of COVID and you have to restrict yourself and you're away from your family. Yeah, mm. no, fair enough. But that was, it, I mean, if like the Oregon, the Oregon guys are in the same situation mm. and it, if there's just a better atmosphere in the Oregon camp for whatever reason, um, mm. and yeah, a miserable one about it. I'm not necessarily saying, it was, necessarily saying it was Jones's fault, but you know, it could have been the end of a very tough few weeks. Whereas Oregon Six Nations. You know, at that point, it hadn't been going great, but it wasn't overly negative. Whereas the England mm. one had been pretty much all negative except the France game. Um, I don't know, it could have just been two two different attitudes at the end. But that that takes away from the performance. Well, I think it, al- it also relates to how the camps seem to o- operate in terms of like media stuff. Like, I mean, they're not children. I know that, but the way Eddie Jones carries on. He'd be a complete hypocrite to carry on the way he does in relation to the media and then expect something different of his players. So I, I can't imagine Ireland having a similarly bad Six Nations and players then coming out after saying stuff that would take away from the the organisation or the camp or whatever. Like 
Whereas it was a few, like the English players seem to shoot from the hip a lot of the times, or at least that's the vibe I get from them. So, like, mm. it kind of, I don't know how much stock I'd place in that really, because because I suspect all teams would feel like that after a similarly dis- disappointing successions. It's just maybe they have the the culture or the the individuals who are willing to say it, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but yeah, I just think it's a culture thing. Um. Just looking at Neil's notes. Uh, <laughs> first half notes there. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched the highlights again, and uh, Jack Conan pops um, pretty well in that whole game. Yeah, he's definitely more comfortable on the ball than CJ mm. is. Mm. Um, I think he's like he didn't make any anything like overly flashy, big carries or big tackles, but he's just. Um, a baller at eight, as they say. <laughs> uh, I think if you had someone well, CJ esque like a a burn at six or something, that's mm. still a good combo. Or maybe him and Doris when he comes back at six mm. eight. If if I wouldn't necessarily be counting on Doris coming back. True. But it seems oh. that he made he's making some progress though. So. Conan or Doris? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously Conan's making progress out there. <laughs> Beating the fuck out of the English. So <laughs> um, Henderson, this is his best Six Nations he's ever had. Mm. Um, just very consistent, which is always his issue. I felt. Well, yeah. Where, where, where do you stand on? Um, I saw some people saying because Ty Byrne played so well as well, mm. and James Ryan suddenly is like the unthinkable has happened. Where it's like, oh, I don't know, where does James Ryan fit? And... Yeah. Um. Well, I I would have Henderson, Byrne because they're the starters now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing with Burn is complicated. Is he played so well at six, mm. and his standards retiring. So there is a hole at six now. Um, I probably play I, all three. I don't, of them. Think, I don't think you can play. I wouldn't play Doris and and Conan together, which leads me to think Henderson, Ryan, Burn, Doris, and then I don't know whatever seven you want to pick. Is what is the way I go with it. Um, yeah. I don't think. I think Doris and Conan are too, too similar, and you need, um, yeah. So when Alan Burn in there for the, the ground stuff, um, but yeah, Henderson mm. would be a guy. Like I wouldn't wouldn't have said that, you know, six weeks ago. Yeah, and just to go on to the Lions. Actually, we've mm. gone from very few Irish players on the Lions to actually maybe we have a good chunk. Um, all our second rows are in with a shout. I think, I think um, Henshaw is a starter. Yep. Furlong is a starter. Yep. Um, Keenan maybe as a tourist. No, I, I was thinking about this because <laughs> you know, like the thing is, you have Liam Williams and Hogg who are great fullbacks. True, true. One of them gets injured. I can see a case for Keenan. Hmm. But it's just that, like, they're solid and great attacking. Yeah. Uh, so he's just unfortunate in that case where, he, even though he's had a great Six Nations, he's played every minute, mm. um, really well, solid, he's but he's just not in their league. What's I that think James? Earls. I think Earls, Earls. yeah, um, could be in the squad somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be Bolker. That would be nice. Uh, Symmetry, nice comfort, comfort. Uh, Come full circle, 
because uh, 12 years ago he was toured as a toured as a 21 year old, I think, and uh, didn't didn't have an amazing tour. Did or didn't? Didn't. Didn't. Right. Um, I got to him. Yeah, he kind of yeah. He I just distinctly remember there was one incident where a high ball comes in and he just completely mm-hmm. fluffs it, but like. Yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be cool to see him come around to full circle. I can see could it Sexton... be a redemption arc. Could be. Yeah, could be. I can see I... Sexton and Murray going. It's not beyond Ralph's possibility they're just starting yeah. halfbacks at a test. No one. Like, yeah, like you, what are your choices? You got Ford or Farrell from England. Mm, not great either of them. Mm-hmm. You got Russell, who's a loose cannon. <laughs> you got Dan Bigger, who's pretty much in Sexton's category as old and reliable. Hmm. So it's it's not it's not out there. Mm. Um, maybe maybe Gatling goes crazy and picks Carberry as his hand, but I don't see it. Mm. I think I yeah. think Gibson Park will travel. Oof! <laughs> I think that's Gibson Park. Gibson Park, Augie Price, Connor Murray. No, it'll be a Welsh lad. Youngs might be there, and Murray. I have a sneaky suspicion gives some paragraph travels, but that's that's for that's for another show. Yeah. Does this not feel like a massive indictment of the quality of both nine and ten yeah. in in the home yes. nations? Like, <laughs> my gosh. Like yeah, the thing is that they they perform in a good team, like that you, you only need them for three matches. Mm. True. We talk about the spine of the team on here a lot, and like three of the undoubtedly most important positions, Hooker, nine, ten, all to me are just like you're picking from a there's no standout player from any of the home nations in any of them positions for me anyway. And mm. that I don't know, that just worries me a lot. Like Sexton, sure. If he if he performs like he did against England and can consistently do that, then yeah, I'd say hands down he's the he's the certain ten. But yeah, I, I don't know that he can do that. Between no standout player um the players being bad. Mm. Like there's no standout player because they're all relatively the same level. It may not be a bad thing if you have a solid hooker. Mm. Like there's no um To me, Neil, when I look at the lines and I obviously haven't really followed rugby for that long. If you listen to anything I say on this, <laughs> that should be obvious. But uh to me, the Lions tour should be like phenomenal player in every position starting fifteen. And I don't know that we're gonna get that. Maybe they never get that, I don't know. But to me it's it's worrying. When you can't get a phenomenal player in three of the most important positions, like mm. okay, Johnny can be phenomenal, but I just no one seems to be at that point in their career in those positions. And yeah, I like, I would also throw in the fact that um, Johnny the the is he what is he is he like thirty five, thirty six or something? Let's say thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, wheeling him out for a <laughs> three test tour against South Africa. At the end of a long season, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be banking on him to to make it all the way through that, but maybe you will. You could always, I don't know, like Stuart Hogg, maybe. I guess he'd be there as an option. He wouldn't be starting, but like you know, yeah, you could spot him in a ten in a pinch. He seems in in the same way. Sexton's a bit like physically old. Stockdale seems like you know solid enough in physical terms. Like I don't. He doesn't have a history of injuries, is what I'm saying, or at least mm. not for me. So uh, he's kind okay, of like a... he needs to start a Six Nations <laughs> injury. Yeah, okay. <laughs> way, to, way to shoot through my narrative, but uh, no, he's not. A, he hasn't been crippled by injury, right? No. So Speaking... he's kind of... 
kind of like speaks to uh, having broader options based by choosing maybe more versatile players. Mm. Obviously, you can't mm. do that for Hooker, but maybe for nine and ten, it's something you could look at. John Cooney mm. could be there. Yeah. yeah. If you want your third choice hooker, sorry, third choice scrum half, <laughs> hand to cover two spots. Yep. Reliable um, goal kicker. He has it all. <laughs> but it's, it, isn't it so weird that, like, to me, if you look at Cooney in isolation, he's he's almost, well, not, not in isolation, the opposite of that. If you compare him to all the other nines, he's he's the level is so close, but yet, to me, like, he, he wouldn't, and rightly so, he wouldn't be in any discussions for for the nine position but yeah i don't think the drop off in level is that much this is what i'm saying like there's no real standout players mm. when, when cooney is nearly at, not that i'm being dismissive of cooney but you know what i mean there seems to be a glut of players around a certain level and then no one above that yeah but on the, the flip side is some of those players might excel in a lion's true environment like, a, like someone like uh like imagine one of our second rows paired with a toe jay or something yeah, it could be the making of certain players realistically. Or uh, like um, Sexton getting great quick, quick ball from a nine who can break and pass. Like it's mm. there. It's, it's, it'll always it'll be great. Um, a great podcast when we get to it and you get to sect every one of the players. But <laughs> I think definitely there'd be more players now. That I would have thought going to Six Nations are from Ireland that would go in Six going lines to her. Bit of mm. a weird one would be Ringrose. I think he's perhaps fallen back a bit. Not yeah, that any he, any one person has stood up and said, "Oh, the thirteen jerseys mine," mm. but he didn't have like a like before the Six Nations. I would have said Ringrose is basically a shoe in for the Lions yeah. store. Now I, I suspect he would still go, but he wouldn't be kind of like, "Oh yeah, he's basically one of the first names on the sheet," sort of thing. Mm. Mm. Henshaw like, is the biggest problem for Ringrose after after the last weekend, I think. Yeah. Because he looked so 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 good at thirteen that I reckon he's going thirteen. Mm. Yeah, no Lions can do a Farrell or someone like that at twelve mm. and have the, the hard ball carrier at thirteen. Sexton Farrell Henshaw. Four but Farrell I, I Henshaw. Know, I, can see, I can see it being a North um Henshaw midfield. Oh Jesus. no, no. Bear in mind, Gatlin probably has his team 95% picked in his head already. Mm. I I actually think, uh, I don't know how many times North has played at 13 to Six Nations. I suspect it's more than once. At least it feels like it's been more than once. But he's honestly like impressed me. I he's improved. He's looked, I, thought he, yeah. I thought his career was over, but I thought he was past his best. But he's had a good Six Nations. Yeah, he, he's looking good. I don't know if you'd have him at 13 necessarily, but you know. I, I think I, the idea will be muscle up to the South Africans. Yeah, and we'll, you we'll know more when it's um, but um, I think now after that Six Nations, if I saw him in the squad, I'd be a lot less kind of questioning why he was there. Let's say I, I think he'd be there on some level of merit at least, rather than uh, legacy, which is a word I like to use a lot on here. And, uh, yeah, well, well, I'm supposed to wrap up the Irish game yep. total. Um, a big improvement over what was. There already, mm-hmm. and I hope it is now a. Like I hope it just took this long to get the players bedded into the system, and we're now moving on to a great bigger and greater things as opposed to England come to come to town look busy. Yeah, uh, like I I saw some people saying during the week, um, it reminded them of 
the the kidney years to a certain yes, extent. Definitely. You beat England and everything's great. Um, and in fairness, like for the coaching staff, ending the Six Nations, say third place, mm. um, with a big win over England, is a lot better place to do than like finishing third place but losing your last game and losing to England. Like beating England uh, washes away a lot of sins in the public's. It Mines. does. I gave him a lot of breeding uh, space. I think the the way I like to think about it is if if our Six Nations the results stayed the same but happened mm-hmm. in reverse order, how would you feel? You're finishing on two defeats. Yeah, which but 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 it sort of the order of the games is affecting how you feel, which is fair enough, I suppose. But um, I would also argue, Rob, that if we put that type of performance in at the start. Mm. It would have been a sufficient boost in confidence. Yep, to this, probably influence the results that came yes. after. The 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 huge thing for me from that whole game was, okay, this is great. Where has this been, and can we keep doing this? And it's it's very unfortunate that there doesn't look like there's going to be a summer tour this year. So yeah, um, we probably we won't get to see Ireland again till like November. Um, but yeah, uh, I think like. Now we have that England thing to take some positivity from it. Mm. If you then look look back at the other matches, and we know what Wales are like now, mm. and we know what France are like, I feel like it contextualizes those results a bit better. Yep. If you know what I mean, because you know the red card doesn't happen. We we beat Wales in that first match, and Wales don't win the next game. Mm-hmm. Well, it just totally changes things. Yep. So and bear in mind, we we had Wales on the ropes, and we had a penalty at the end of the game, and we kicked it dead. Yep. Yep. So, that's oh just, yeah, that's, that feels that's, like so long ago. What the that, fuck? That's the Six Nations. That's the, the beauty of it, where it's um fine margins, very, very fine margins. Um, mm. Although uh, it does help when you have a reverse goon on your team who attracts <laughs> people to get red cards against them. Yeah, Win Win Jones, I think, was on the receiving end of all three red cards. <laughs> Uh, that, that's statistically <laughs> anomalous. I was getting three red cards awarded um, in a Six Nations is, is a bit anomalous. And the yeah, but all happened... against the, all like committed against the one player, that's literally never going to happen again, I would say. Unless red cards become incredibly common, which they are definitely becoming more common, but I don't know that they'd become common enough for that to happen. Mm. Yeah, madness. Uh, okay, how about we pivot now to um, there's a small little game on this weekend. Uh, it's two local teams, <laughs> <laughs> two no, up and coming local, yeah. It's arguably that it's I don't know that it's two European powerhouses, uh, mm. Leinster versus Munster, fully pretty much as, as stacked as they can possibly be. Maybe Leinster rotating a little bit more than Munster, but um. Yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Like going into this, because this is um, the big this could one. be this could be spicy. Well, I know I, I don't know if you thought this as much as I believe Neil thought it, Rob. But do you still think they've thrown in the towel, or are they fighting? Lancer, that is. It's tricky. Um, I would like to think that the Lancer players can like there's silverware on the line and i know it might seem pretty petty but i actually think a huge motivating factor for leinster is that not so much that oh we want to win a fourth one in a row i think it's just we just want to make sure monster don't win one <laughs> um yeah i'd be very much of this mind i was very ne- not negative um pessimistic mm. 
because uh, I, I thought we would have um, a half team out, and Munster would have this kind of team out. Mm. I was thinking, well, we might we might stay with them, but we we're not going to win it. But now with this uh, team, I'm actually pretty pretty confident. I think it'll be a real tough match, um, even if mm. one side blows it out. But um, that's an incredible bench we have. Mm. So the idea is just to keep in touch or go ahead, whatever, and then blow them out with the bench in the second half. Mm. Um, with all our incredible depth in the back row, this is our only back rows we have on the, the team. Mm. Like oh, everyone else, else injured, injured or? Every, every other back row was injured in the senior team. That's stark. We have uh, at seven, we have Penny broken hand or wrist or whatever the injury is. Mm-hmm. Dan Levy out, uh, knee injury. Yep. Connor's out, knee injury. Yep. At eight, we have Deegan out, knee injury. Yep. Um, Doris out with concussion. Mm-hmm. And Josh Murphy broke his nose. That's a, it's a pretty attritional uh, position to be in, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not normally. It's just that. <laughs> Um, they need to uh, take their vitamin D. It sounds like, yeah, the vitamin D. It worked for it worked for Billy, Billy Vinopola. Until the collapsed again. Well, he's fit now. He's just not very good. What yeah. What do we reckon about Low on the bench? I think thought that was an interesting. Mm. Um, the The rehabilitation of Low begins. Dave. Your award, Dave Carney, I think. Yeah. Um, on one wing, and as a toss up between the two guys. Yeah, and he wants to learn more to get a bit more game time as well. I suppose. Mm. Like, Lowe started three games in the Six Nations? Four? Four. Four. Well, yeah. the more discuss one game against Italy and minutes off the bench and the others. Mm. Okay. The way I'm looking at this is through the lens of who are the liabilities? Who? <laughs> let's say the head goes. Who Who would you think the head is most likely to go with? I'd say Sexton and Lowe. And those two people are on the bench, I think. I wonder how much of that has come into play. And I'm serious about that. Yeah. Because like Low Low's coming back now after four Six Nations, he's going to be fired up. He's going to be wanting to make an impression, and knowing how he is, like mm. I think he could like that might have doubled his liability factor, so to speak. Yeah, that's always a, a possibility. And I would have got would have suspected that. Like I think he tries to force attack anyway, which mm. does pay off a lot. But I wonder now he's in an interesting position where his stock has gone down and he has to obviously do shit to get that back up there and I wonder if the, the forcing it will become even more apparent or will he maybe dial that back and try and pick his moments more which could go either way or he could just stay the same but uh, yeah I think having him on the bench is probably the smarter decision yeah. based on the history of the the uh, competition between the two teams and then how he has been other times when he was against Munster oh, yeah mm. I don't know. Like Dave Carney, could you get a more steady head than him to be in at the wing? I don't think he's going to be losing the head. Um, is there any other matchups you can see? I know I would have loved to have seen Scott Penny against Gavin Coons and seen that matchup. But, yeah, uh, he probably he would have been there somewhere. He'd be on the bench or starting if he was fit. Can mm. I just say, like, the Scott Penny thing, why was he playing so hard against fucking Ospreys? Like, <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's what you do though. You, you you play hard to get into the I team. I don't know, man. I feel like we lost the match anyway. You know what I mean? I feel like someone you, get, you get injured by doing anything. Like, 
Mm. It's not, true, it's not true. Sort of a uh, play, uh, function of playing hard. Like, well, he must have taken a knee about five times in that match. He was absolutely flogging himself. Yeah. And I guess that that's just his baseline level performance. But I, I still think there, sh- there should be someone there saying to him, like, you know, save yourself a bit. <laughs> and I don't think he, he, I don't think he saves himself in any way, shape, or form. But he's no. he's tw- twenty one, so he's he's, I don't know. He just, I don't know if he cares about his body like in that regard. He's true, he's fit, fit and healthy, and it, just, it, seems, it seems like a big missed opportunity to me, which I find quite unfortunate. But uh, I suppose mm. live by the sword, die by the sword. Mm. He just got unlucky, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about the emotional context of this. Like this could be the last um, shot at a trophy for CJ and Billy Holland, who's also retiring, and, and, and JJ. Yeah, and JJ now actually. Yeah, but they don't care about him, so <laughs> <laughs> that won't be a motivating factor JJ's for Munster. JJ's agent needs a raise. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whatever else, but that's that's just crazy. I, I, so. I hope Claremont saw that match against him. And said that's what we need a rock solid out of. <laughs> what did he do? He nailed a few kicks in that match. He didn't nailed he? like every kick in that match. I think. My yeah. God, it's it's actually mad to think that someone might have watched that and based a decision on that <laughs> and that alone. And if they did, they shouldn't have a fucking. But he job. looked at that, looked at his numbers in the Pro 14 and said, "Well, this guy's an 88 percent kicker." <laughs> yeah, golden boot and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh my God. But speaking yeah. speaking of um, tens, Joey Carberry, uh, this is his second game back this season. Um, what are our thoughts? How do you think? Because Joey Carberry and Connor Murray have pretty much they've they've played with each other, I'd say, a handful of times. I um, know well, a good bit now. They because they played each other in uh, twenty eighteen, since twenty eighteen, since Joey made his debut. True, um, but Joey was gone for like pretty much all of. Well, yeah, it's well, the first, I, I it's think first time in a, first time in a long time they've played together. Yeah, that's fair enough. But um, they have enough. Like I was thinking, he's probably familiar with him as any others from half. Yeah, true. Maybe Luke McGrath or someone he'd be more familiar with. But I know, I know. But what are you expecting out of this access? Um, <laughs> in, in terms I like of that word, because <laughs> I think he's pretty good. Because this is this is I would argue this is a huge difference than the the monster teams that Leinster have played in the last year year and a half. I don't know about huge, no, but it's, huge. Uh, it's I don't a know difference. All right, Joey Joey offers you something that like JJ can't. Uh, Brittle wrists. Oh, Craig's gone. Is he? No, no, it's uh, James is gone. Yeah, all right, he's back. <laughs> I've I really am worried about Joey. That's all I'll say. I think yeah, I think he's definitely a threat. Yeah, but I don't oh. think that. <laughs> Sorry, Carol. Rob, like, I, I think you... we'll hopefully have the, the edge in the forwards and in the subs that will mm. power us on. But I can definitely see Monster coming out strong and building a lead. Mm. Rob, when you said worried about Joey, I thought you meant you were worried he's going to get injured. Which... Well, there, there's that too from the other aspect of uh, he, uh, like, um, he, there's so much potential still in him to be a great international out half that uh, I hate to see his career get derailed again by injury. Yeah. Well, um, this is a weird one because I feel like in one game he could massively leapfrog Ross Byrne. Yeah. Just in one game. It's like, a strange. It, Straight shootout between him and Ross Byrne for. Like is. I think he's way ahead of Ross Byrne. Well, uh, I well, mean, on the basis of something, we, we like, know like what he's, he's like. He's, he's fit. He's ahead of Ross Byrne, but Ross Byrne stays fit more, so that's why he hits games. Well, 
Well, this is what I was about to say is that, like, if you look at how much time Ross Byrne has had to, oh, like, okay, you maybe Carberry has been ahead of him at some point to to narrow the gap and maybe even overtake him. Like, he's he's not really done done that. If anything, it's just rain stagnant, which, mm. as you say, may mean like on the basis of what we know, Joey's actually ahead of him still. But to me, I mean, like, he could show us that tomorrow, you know. But uh, yeah. actually not getting injured, I guess, would be a good start. Well, the but... thing is, like, I think we're all in agreement that Carberry's a better player. The difference is how much better. But, mm-hmm. like, Ross Burian is more useful to Leinster than Carberry is for Munster so far because he plays games. True. This is he's, true. He's played semi-finals, finals, quarterfinals. He doesn't have the ability of Carberry, but he kicks his points and he's... <laughs> He stays on the field, so like that's that's valuable. That's very valuable. It does mm-hmm. just feel weird to me that uh, a player that's played so little could, you know, be valued more than mm. someone who's played so much mm. on the basis of not a whole lot other than to, legacy. I guess to kind of, to kind of look at it from I uh, from the NFL draft point of view, they talk about ceilings and floors. I would say Joey Carberry's ceiling is way higher. Um, but Ross Burns' floor is pretty high too. A lot of that would come from just being fit, like Neil says. Mm. I, I, I don't think that's the access you look at on. There's that word again, access. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone like Finn Russell, I can understand that. You say, well, his ceiling is much higher, but his, his bottom is much lower. I think, mm-hmm. think Carberry's a superior player in almost every way to, to, um, to Ross Burns, but he doesn't stay fit. So <laughs> staying fit yeah. is a skill of itself. I don't think it's a. Well, he's a bigger range of a player. I think he's just a much superior, not much, a superior well, player to a much superior player. Just can't stay fit. That, mm. that, 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 yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. In that, um, he, he's more valuable player, perhaps, because he stays fit. Mm. Like, um, I, Demented Mole had a thing saying an article a year or two ago comparing Sean O'Brien to superstar Noel Reed. Mm-hmm. And he says, who's actually more useful and valuable to Leinster? And it's like, it's probably Noel Reed. Speaking um, of deep value in terms of Leinster players, I feel like it could be a big game for Rory O'Loughlin. He's, yeah, uh, he always plays well against Munster. He tends to pick up tries against him. But I feel like he's had, like I don't know, maybe if I've just been focused on him, but feels like he's been a big enough presence in the squad over the last few months. Yeah, so I think like, again. yeah, I don't know that he's, he's get, I don't know that he's necessarily getting rewarded or he's there because there's not many other people around in that position, but. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, he could do a lot there tomorrow. And, you know, if if he plays like he has been in the last few months, then uh, he could actually be putting up some possible uh, competition for Ringrose, some meaningful competition. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think Ringrose is just so far ahead of anyone else that that isn't Henshaw. Mm-hmm. That is, he's pretty much safe, but um, definitely there's a spot. On the Leinster, I think he'd be very good on the Leinster bench for the first team. Save mm. everyone was fit. Yeah, like there's a lot of lot of um, there's a lot of competition for that twenty three spot. There's about five players that you could put in there, but I think he could because he covers centers and wings. Mm. He'd be the answer there. And well, yeah, I just think about the forwards. The forward, I like the front row. I think it's an edge on the Munster one, and the um, sub front row. Mm-hmm. The second row, um, 
bit worried. Yeah. Mm. Vardy's not really been the player he has yeah, been. The, the, these guys are a bit old now. And it's like we got two second rows on the bench, but if we get like 50 minutes out of them both, that'll be good. And if they're competitive for 50 minutes, I'll be happy. I hope Devin Toner can shore up the line out because Kelleher always has question marks about his uh, line throw. Mm-hmm. He was only one and a half percent behind Herring during the Six Nations mm. in terms of completed throws. But that's a very good uh, Munster line out. Um, Klein, Byrne, and Peter Armani. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking about actually when Peter Armani came on there in the Ireland team, yeah. and maybe you guys can shed some light on it. Why is it that they say Peter Armani is a line-out option? I don't understand how you can't just designate basically any player as a line-out option. Oh, no, what they, they, they mean is he's good at it. Um, like, like someone like Ru- oh, Ruddock's a bad example because he actually did pretty well in, um, in the, when he came on for his match in uh, France. He did very well in the line-out. Hmm. But someone like... Um, well, obviously, Billy Vianna Paola isn't going to be a line-out option. Yeah, like they're, like they're not... You can give them the ball, but they're not great with it. Well, well Peter Mahoney's actually excellent, perhaps one of the best in the world at it. Well, Peter Mahoney, I, I, I always see his defensive work in the lineup yeah. is apparent to me. But when they say he's an option, like I, I don't see why Josh van der Fleer couldn't just be made into a lineup option. Oh, you can. And sometimes you do that. You put the seven at the tail gunner of the. Because you get them up quickly, and you just need someone up, and you're not going to be competing against the second row. Um. But he's just there. It's just different. He's much more comfortable in the air, Peter Manny, than these guys. He's longer arms. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, like James, someone like Lars. Um, he's you know, been out there with the measuring tape. I would <laughs> <laughs> almost be certain that he is a, uh, his proportions are longer arms than someone like um, Levy or Van der Fleer. You, you might absolutely be right, and that that could be where his prowess comes from. I don't know, but. Uh, it's just something I question, because I, like, I always hear people saying it, and I never thought to say, well, why is that versus other back rowers? Like, but yeah. Because he's kind of a bit lightweight for some sixes, like, um, mm-hmm. not the beefiest, but you can get him quickly. He's got hands in the air, um, but his real threat is on the defensive line out, mm. I think. Um, he doesn't really run line outs, I don't think. No. Um, that's generally a second row's job, but... Uh, like anyone's technically an option in the lineup, but he's particularly good at it. Do you think uh, as do you think passion will play more of a role in this match than it did in the Ireland England match? Say, I was thinking about this again. I keep thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Um, but the Leinster team has a bunch of people who have a point to prove. They were saying like once you have like the past, because like it could be like CJ and. Uh, Holland's last game and JJ's last game not last games but last Pro 14 chance. game and yeah. that maybe last chance of trophy but someone like Reese Rulick has a point to prove that he's a better six mm-hmm. um, Ronan Keller wants to get into the Irish team starting Jack Conan wants to cement his position in the Irish team uh, someone like okay Luke, okay I gotta Luke stop McGrath. you there but all those things are things that you can do over the course of half a season say whereas you can't like win a trophy, you win a trophy in that one match. You know what I mean. So this is yeah, concentrated. Not players in the Inter team that could have chips on their shoulder to to get into the like um por- like Porter would also say like okay, everyone's saying how good Furlong is and he is, but why well, still have someone that brings to the pitch? Mm. Um, 
Low would definitely be wanted to get back into try scoring when habits like mm. I'm saying is the motivational, the emotional battle could be even or even Leinster sided. Like people yeah. are talking about it into the, the build, like oh, it's Munster's passion. Give the guys a send off, but the same could be the reverse. Yeah, and I also think that the passion might get the better of them. Yeah, it's always so true. To speak. Not that they'll lose the head, but that it'll be bigged up to be such an event that. You know, this is this really is a big event. If you look at it in the context of, of a lot of those players' careers, you know what I mean. Did CJ ever win silverware at Munster? No. Nope. Players, uh, they're all the players there who have are in their thirties. Peter, yeah. Keith Earls, Murray. Like, and I'm not saying this to be patronizing. This is a big fucking day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, um, and there's a, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. How this, this spans out? Like you can say. Okay, it's not as important for Leinster to to win this, but like if Leinster win this, this sends Munster back a few years, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, Leinster wants cruel. to keep down the rest of the the, the teams, pretty much. Are Leinster like Britain, <laughs> just keep keeping Ireland down? But, uh, Jacqueline uh, has a good thing about that. It's like uh, where you want to put the nail in the coffin. Mm. So, so like. I, I I feel like the coffin's already been nailed shut, and now it's been opened again, and there's a zombie monster <laughs> coming back at us. And that's why you need to nail it again. <laughs> like, well, at least we're thinking like uh, some attack the skull, and finish off the zombie for good. But uh, yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. But um, because like if you, if you they lose this, they might not get another chance for a lot of these players. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, and, and can I just say? Uh, how great I think it is that Leo or whoever is in charge, the shady backroom puppeteer, whoever, <laughs> didn't go with the total like half half strength Lancer side. I, yeah. I really appreciate the fact that uh they've they've at least on paper shown that we value this. I think this that's is our strong, strongest twenty three, I think is the best way of saying this. Yeah, mm. I think that's uh that was the wisest thing because to me, I was thinking about it during the week, like and I said it last week as well, you have to value the match you have in hand. Like, mm. you're in a final here. You're not in the European final. If it was a case between the European final was next week and yeah. this final this week, I'd say, okay, throw out a very green team or as green mm. a team as you think. But, you know, you're not in the other final, so why waste this opportunity? And yeah. I think that was a smart decision, whoever. Yep. Yeah, this this is pretty much a team I would pick. You could, offer, you could say maybe still have someone like Bent in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he's played so well over the season that he might be leaving. But like, um, if you have Furlong, the option of Furlong or Bent, it's 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 not a, a choice to be made in that kind of uh, front. Can the only I just player ask... I think is lucky is Dooley. Okay. Why? Because he's played the whole campaign. He's good form. And Burn and Healy are parachutes in ahead of him. But again, yeah. it's not like a massive uh, difference. Mm. Like if you have Duty or Burn on the bench, I don't think it's going to change the performance too much. It's just I felt that he was a bit unlucky that uh, that's the way it crumbles. Okay. So I said about Sexton earlier, slightly in jest, but slightly serious as well regarding the whole uh, losing the head thing. Why isn't he certain? Um, a couple of reasons. Probably because. Maybe he has a limit on the minutes he has because he's played three matches in a row. Contractual thing. Like the, the RFU might have said, okay, you got this many minutes for these next two or three games. Uh, yeah. Use them however you want. 
Mm. It could be that you want to get like you want to rest them a bit. Like you might have the minutes, but you just want to give them rest. You want to get some game time to Ross Byrne. You might want just to uh, finish off the match with a really strong bench. Mm. Like if I had, if there's no restrictions on any of the the players you could pick around them, I'd, I'd say this is pretty much how you'd approach this. You you wouldn't start Saxon. You might because he's so good, but like uh, Ross Byrne and the rest of the lads slugging it out for sixty minutes before you come on is always a nice place to be. Yeah, and even if you hate being on the bench himself. Well, the reason I kind of I find it a bit confusing is if I look at it through the context of resting players. I say, well, then why is Robbie Henshaw? Because he put in some shift at Six Nations. And I understand the age difference of the players and maybe like the importance versus position, depth, etc. But I say, like, if anyone earned the rest, it was Robbie Henshaw. You know what I mean? So Yeah, but the thing is, we're up against a, a beefy midfield and we have no one else. Yeah, we're, we're pretty light at 12 when you think about it. That, that was the a, a query, I suppose you could say, would be, do you play... Um, Henshaw 13, Sexton 10, or Ross Byrne at 10, and say Frawley at 12, or do you play Ross Byrne at 12 and Sexton at 10? I think that's mm. that was up in the air. Mm. I think that's probably the best use of resources. Is Frawley fit again? I think he is. He played last yeah. week against the Ospreys, but uh, one right. thing I noted during that match was how loads of players seem to be flogging themselves unnecessarily to me, and he plays quite physical games, so it wouldn't surprise me if he picked up a knock in that match. Although, like, that's not to say he would 100% be in this match where he fit, but uh, yeah, I just think a lot of players played too hard in the Ospreys match for a loss, which I found bizarre. But anyway, you yeah, it just uh, it's it's an old cliche, but if you try and play soft, you'll, you're just going to get murdered yeah. and, and like and, and more injured. You, there's no there's no you can't take your foot off the pedal. I, uh, I, I'm not advocating from playing soft necessarily. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't not too hard, hard kill yourself. <laughs> Penny in that match was just down on an knee every ten minutes. It felt like, and I was just like, "Why?" I've I've never heard the criticism of a rugby player that they play too hard. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Someone like Johnny Wilkinson, where he just gets injured by attacking people real hard, you can say, "Okay, maybe the discretion is better." Part of valor there, but you just get injured. Like Stephen Ferris got injured walking off a bus. Mm. Wow. During the Lions tour in 2009, pulled his oh calf. I would I would also hate to wonder. Um, if we had like a Scott Penny 21 year old, and at that point he was kind of like, I don't need to worry about. Uh... I don't think he has a mindset as that. He's just played for the pain. Well, like yeah, it's... no, no, but imagine if he had the other mindset where he was like, I'm going to mind myself here. And uh, yeah. just... you can't really do that outside of nine and 10, I don't think. True, true. And even then, these days, those players are rare enough. I believe that in a nothing match against Ospreys, people can step the back is, their level. Nothing match. It's it's not it doesn't matter for the team to win or lose, but the individual players are fighting for a spot. Right, right, right. If you see if you see someone saying if you see someone's like just slacking off in a nothing game, you're like, well, sometimes that, these games you need to put every point from that like, like and, negative in their their mark, and if because he's fighting an incredibly competitive mm-hmm. spot. And if he was if the coaching staff saw him giving hundred percent in that game, they said, well, maybe we need him in this monster game, and he probably would have had uh, fig, uh, maybe even started if he was fit. Mm, I would have. I would have thrown him in there. An unfortunate loss. And you can't really turn off on and off on um, competitive instincts. Mm. Like it's, it's, you have it or you don't. Yep. 
Uh, there any uh, other? Um... I think uh, this is again. I tend to focus on certain players, but I feel like it could be a big game for Dayalende because to me, like I feel like he's capable of more than I've seen of him. If you know what I mean. And like, mm-hmm. is there a bigger occasion in Irish rugby that, to show what you have in your locker than against Leinster in a final? Like, he's so, played well against all all the games he's played. I feel like he could go up another level though, and I wonder if tomorrow's the day. You know what now, I mean? Now, Joey might enable that level. True, yeah. true. Because um, he was a big part of them getting that try in the um, the Tone Park match. Mm. He's a big carrier. But in that, like you, you look at Dale Endy coming into this fresh against the potentially war weary henshaw and a a locko who you know he's good but he's not kind of world class he's certainly not world cup winning class so yeah you know that's a that's an area i feel like munster could look at getting a lot of ground from could potentially be. I, certainly I just, with chris farrell as well I, I was just thinking you could also throw in the narrative of uh henshaw versus dialende could be the lions combo could very well point. be a uh, preview that's yeah. interesting I, I don't believe that Dale Ende has shown enough to... I don't, I, I don't I, know, but... Dale, bear in mind, other South African players haven't played since... Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the team hasn't played since the World Cup, so it's... I feel yeah. like there'd be some random guy who's there waiting, like, licking his lips to get into the 12 shirt, though. Like, you know what I mean? The conveyor belt of talent that they probably have down there. A lot of these yeah. South African players don't seem to... Like, maybe I just... We all fall into the trap of... Ireland sticking with players for so long, but I feel like South Africa, New Zealand, or whatever, they do seem to have like a bit of a shorter lifespan on these different. players. They're not as ruthless as New Zealand are, mm. and there's also incredible um, provincial infighting. Like it makes it makes us look like saints up here. Mm. Um, what, did I hate each other? Yeah, I was going to say that's a bit extreme. Some <laughs> really do dislike each other. Um, it's weird, always... though, then, I, uh, just as a little aside, I often see uh, transfers between the clubs, i.e., like, mm-hmm. a player might start out playing for the Sharks, yeah. then middle of his career be with the Bulls, and then end his career with whoever the, the, the Stormers is the last one. You know what I mean? When I, when I say when I say that, I think more of organizations than the players themselves, mm-hmm. and okay. the coaching staff and selection staffs. For, right, right, right. And fans, obviously. Well, speaking of the South African things. Um, the Rainbow Cup has still... They're still acting like it's going ahead, which is great. So we should probably call us the, the match. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I checked last time, Bucky's had it by Leinster by six points, and I think four to five points is probably the best. Mm-hmm. See, I can see us getting ahead in the scrum and just edging the forward battle. And our, our subs coming on, and we close out the game. I, I can also see a world where we don't actually get that nudge in the scrum. Our line out is targeted. Yeah. And Kirby kicks points, and we just we just leave ourselves too big of a hole to dig with our subs. Because mm-hmm. there's a good stat earlier on in the week where the last few Leinster Munster games, we've scored like 88% on our kicks. Mm. Munster have like 58%. Yeah, yeah, but that's the JJ factor. <laughs> yeah, but JJ won't be unless he comes on. He has to take a kick. Um, which let's be honest, isn't too unlikely with Carberry at the helm. But uh, mm. yeah, you don't want to be relying on like statistical yeah. shit. To you want to be the one in control, which uh, I think Munster have the capability with the team they put out to 
to seriously put doubts in heads, like I wouldn't. I'm not confident in this at all, to be honest. Yeah, mm. it's a real odd one. If it's a good match, I'm happy, regardless mm. of who wins. Obviously, I'll be happier if Leinster win. But uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I just feel like the stars are gonna align, and Munster will not hammer us, but feel like they'll be just comfortably enough. I feel like maybe they'll pull away towards the end, like Munster by eight or something like that. But uh, yeah, should be a good mm. game anyway. Yep, I'm pretty much. Uh, I'd be with Dave in this. I'm for whatever reason. I'm tipping Munster. Um, doesn't it just feel like it's the time, Rob? Doesn't yeah, it? but like, um, like it's 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 because we're fans. We're always going to have an emotional um, attachment to these games, so it's not always rational what we're talking about. But I think people saying like it's Munster's time are kind of saying that because well, they have to win sometime. Well, but, you know what? I think I, I, my decision isn't actually based on that. I think my decision is based on what I believe happened in the English match, and what I believe happened in the English matches. I believe will happen here again, i.e., Munster yeah, are England, Ireland. England are a team on the decline rapidly. Hmm. I don't think I you can say, say. Yeah, I don't think Lens are in the ascendancy necessarily either. I don't think we're stagnating, but I do think our rate of up uppediness, <laughs> what's the word? Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is stagnating now. Obviously, the closer you get to one hundred percent, the harder it is to get them extra gains. But uh, I do feel like the gap is narrower for whatever reason. For, for for me, it's based off a lot of um, some of the previous encounters, and it's like Neil was saying, you were saying about the statistics, parent kicks, percentages, and all that. I'm just, I don't know. I I see Joey Carberry, and I'm just like the narrative of him coming up to Dublin in the RDS. Yeah. This would be, oh no, I don't know. I don't, it wouldn't be his first game back in the RDS, but um, pretty close to it anyway. Plus, Ty Ty Byrne is also um. Had such a good Six Nations. He's, he's, he's so good against us in the tone match as well. He like, wasn't a yeah. So so that that has me kind of worried too. And like you were saying there, I do look at Kelleher and the two second rows. Yeah, Ty Byrne could 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 cause us problems. Do you, do you think? And this is a weird sentiment I feel, but do you think it would be kind of mean to target Joey Carberry? <laughs> you sent your your goon. Right, I don't want to <laughs> bring out the goon. <laughs> I mean, like, there is no room for looking out for the opposition in sport. A surprise uh, signing for Leinster, Win Jones, <laughs> three match series, and Peter Manny is gone. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, it feels like something that is done. Obviously, if the other team has a strong player, a linchpin type player, you want to exert as much pressure in any way you can on that person, but. You know, I guess there's a level of trepidation there with me. I really just I don't want to lose Munster. <laughs> no, I don't. I just think it would be absolutely terribly cruel if if Joey was to not flourish tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Not necessarily win, but I just want to see him put in the performance that we all believe he has in him. Mm. Well, it's not even that. I don't. I think. I think we just don't want to see him injured. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not really been a case that. Um, like it takes him a while to get his form back, and he need to play. He just he just keeps getting injured. Mm. True, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think we, I think we'd be happy with a, I think we'd be happier almost with a um, 
a narrow loss or something and Joey staying on the field the entire game and playing well. Than yeah. That the green shoots for Ireland, like you know what I mean. Actually, it's... no, I, I was afraid of winning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't bring myself to. I'm just, I'm just looking towards the World Cup sort of thing and saying, all right, the silver linings, green shoots here. If we lose with Joey, Joey has the game we know he has in him. Then yeah, yeah, it's a long time to look up if we end it again. <laughs> One other narrative I'd love to see is James Lowe to come on and like, I don't know. Bump a Spears few players, Harvey and Ingram. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Bump a few players and score like a great try. And... Oh, some Munster fans were saying it's all set up for load come on and score last minute try to mm. really rub it in. Yeah, well, it would that'd... actually be rather hilarious. That, but, I'd uh, love to see it. I don't know. Could go either way with all. I feel. Uh, okay. Um, briefly oh, talked um... about the Rainbow Cup coming. Oh, yeah. uh, not much to say about it. I just think it's going to be class. I really I'm, hope. I'm not that... a fan of us playing Munster straight away. Oh yeah, we we have to play the three Irish provinces again for some reason. Um, yeah, that's a bit odd. Yeah, it's because the first rounds are your local teams, mm. um, and then the four, five, and six are the this... South African teams, and then there's a final for the top two teams. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping that the South Africans send over some really strong team. Yeah. Uh, they want to get their players that aren't in Europe or um, Japan up to speed for the Lions. Yeah, yep. It 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 promises to, like it promises to just be very interesting, which is good in my mind. Yeah. What um, what do you guys think about a, a situation where um, the Pro 14 has an upper tier and a lower tier? <laughs> like it's. No, it, it, you just need to you just play the tournament out. Mm. This thing about you, conferences is so confusing for like even like I couldn't tell you until like now how the conferences worked. Okay, mm. okay, um, well, okay. Hear me out here. Hear me out. All right, we want to grow the game. Yeah, I get. We'll we'll lose out in regard of uh, derby matches. Okay, I can concede that it'll be a bit fucky with regard to derby matches. But if we have a lower division, I genuinely believe that. We can bring in some fringy type teams from weird nations and they can then fill the spots that like the likes of say Zebra, Treviso, et al. would have filled in the overall division. I who's gonna pay for this? Hmm. Like the play, fans. Like, fan, fans aren't coming to the matches as it is. Yeah. Like outside the Irish teams, you're not getting that much fans. Like so if you're saying, Oh, you're by the way, you're relegated from the Pro 14. <laughs> Like, there's just not enough money for this. And it, okay, okay, okay. Immediate loss, yeah. But then you look, say, five years down the line, the Zebra are now trashing a random Georgian club team. Yeah. The Zebra rugby brand is, is in the ascendancy because they're actually winning matches now. So you get more fans going to see their team actually winning. Thus, you play the long game, and Zebra can build a fan base Thus bring in more money and then thus challenge to get into the upper tier. And then get hammered and relegated. <laughs> losing all perhaps, the players. Perhaps, yeah, okay. No, we, there'll, we just, be, there'll uh, be more people to see it, though. The league is just a poor <laughs> place at the moment. The South Africans in it because they're bringing money. So yep, and they've, nowhere, they've nowhere else to go. This, that's the other thing. They're, um, uh, what's the word? Outcasts. Looking yeah. for a home. Took their ball and went home. Yeah. Um, 
like we're not going to be sending strong teams. I don't think in South Africa or versus South African teams. Yeah, I, I would agree. And That's good though because in June, it means it? Uh, the young lads will be getting blooded against quality opposition. Look, as opposed to blooded. this is actually a thing I know about the the uh, Ospreys match. I think that Ospreys match is actually going to be very good for a bunch of the young lads because mm. I feel like a lot of times this season. They went out against, let's say, weaker opposition and put in very good performances, but they were leaky, i.e. like we we got enough tries that it, the win was comfortable enough, but we also let in a fair amount of tries. If you look back, I believe the uh, the results will show that in terms of the score numbers, but um, I think that's a good lesson learned against Ospreys there for a lot of these young lads that are putting in these winning performances because it shows, I don't know, it just gives them a taste of what it's like to to start dominant and then end up losing. I feel like mm. that's a good lesson. And more of that could potentially, like, you know, I don't know, just build better players overall, I think. Yep. Um, do you guys want to talk briefly about Six Nations in total? or yeah. do you wanna... um, well, we, could, we could do an episode about the Six Nations, like, as a whole, but we'll probably just... Um, yeah, give us your... Maybe just talk about the, the French-Scotland game. Cool. Or even the French-Wales game, whatever. Yeah. France, are they as good as we thought? No. A, a good, a good, a great team would have, first of all, won last Six Nations, hmm. then yes. then won that Autumn Cup, and then won this Six Nations. They're just, yeah. um, but but what about what about the counter argument of that they're incredibly young? So as in they're they're building. So yeah, that, that's always true. But but you have to say, Rob, what Neil says does have legs in terms of that's that's a third time that. Yeah, they it, probably should have won it and then didn't. You know, that, it, even if not, they're young, that's kind of a trend now at this point. So yeah, it's, it's not a good habit. Yeah, they, if they had won at least one of those, then you'd say, "All right, they've taken something from it." That's not to mm. say they still won't win. They could win later on. Then now, like, yeah, exactly. They, they could win in like next year or the year after a boat, and then go into the World Cup with that. Mm. I think there's a, a shelf life on just like a shelf life on Eddie Jones is a shelf life on every coach, to be honest, but. On Gaultier, because I think he runs a very emotionally demanding um, shop, mm. and like they're getting in trouble for this uh, this breaking of the rules. Waffle Gate. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Gee. they they and they got investigated again for that tweet. The waffle tweet. tweet. They um they put up a tweet saying Happy Waffles Day from the mm. French uh, Rugby Union. It's obviously um, humor. Like, for fuck's sake, can you not just tell a joke? The thing is, Scotland are getting punished mm. because of France's breaking of the laws. And they're making a joke about it while they're in an investigation. Uh, how they, and they might win the Six Nations as a result of their. I don't want to say cheating because it wasn't intentional, but because they're, they're flouting the rules. Winners mm. get punished and they get rewarded for it. And they're sticking two fingers up to the rest of the competition. Do you know what mm. I find particularly great thing about that? Mm. Not the tweet around, but it was the fact that pre-tournament France were the ones like kind of holding everyone else to account. Yeah, I, I seem to remember there was a lot of things where it was the French sporting ministry saying, "Oh well, we need this, this, that, and the other to be in place before we can commit to this tournament." And then yeah. they're the one team. Obviously, Josh Adams had his yeah. thing, but they're the one team that, as as a unit, sort of fla- flaunted the rules a bit. So I thought that was just like, I don't know, it just feels as you seem to be hinting at a bit unfair on. Everyone else, yeah. especially if they do go on and demolish Scotland, which they could and because do. Scotland can't pick all their players. Yeah, mm. that's kind of unfair as well. I, I don't. That's obviously it's as a result of what France have done, but uh, 
I think it's kind of the, the English clubs. I feel should have made like I don't know, should have had like a waiver or given them dispensation. Yeah. What is it? Six players are allowed to pick. Five, I think. Do we know? Is that just a contractual? Like, it seems to be arbitrary to me. Because the thing is, England are the English clubs are very strict on releasing players outside of the window. Like um, a year or two ago, I think it was North or Bigger were released by Northampton, and Northampton got fined. Mm. Oh, okay. Because I think it's, they 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 want a unified bargaining position with the English. Because I guess um, money from the RFU based on the English players. Yeah. And there's a whole argument agreement between those. So they don't want just being undercut by anyone else. So they don't allow anyone outside of the mandated windows to uh, leave. And because this match is taking place outside of the Six Nations window, um, they, they, have, they wouldn't have allowed anyone until they come up with this agreement of five players. So the five is actually them being nice. Not nice. But giving they've, them something. They've thrown them about. They've thrown them about with that, have they? They could, they could be paid for it. Mm. It could be like you can only pick someone a certain amount from some clubs. I don't know the breakdown exactly of who comes from where in Scottish rugby for from an English club, but it could be you can pick two from this team, but not three. Just to touch on something uh, I said earlier regarding the lines and such. Um, obviously, Scotland fans are well known for being deluded sometimes, but uh, <laughs> their 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 hooker, their Sherry, I think his name was yeah. the bald guy, yeah. who uh, who seems to have come a bit out of nowhere to me at least. I saw calls, and I don't know if they're ironic or not, but for him to be Lions hooker... <laughs> um, I, I, like, to be honest, I haven't been paying too much attention to other teams' hookers, so it's a possibility he's, he's in that top three. But, um, he's, like, he's like the fourth choice hooker for Scotland or something. Is he not? Is he? Oh, sorry, I thought he was... I think so. Cause, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, have, I don't pay attention to the... The rankings these days of the right, top right. hookers. I think he's only there on the basis that like the three players ahead of him are all injured or, or he, else have fallen massively. He's playing out of well, favor. like um, and he has a bit of history behind him. Maybe he'll go. Yeah, as you said, no, no standouts. But yeah, Perry that's what I'm just looking at it. In, choice. I'm looking at it in the context of there being no standout player, and then this guy comes along who I've literally never heard of, who I believe to be third or fourth choice, and people are throwing his name around, and I'm just like. Okay, if that's not an indictment to the depth in that position, I don't know what is. But that, it, it could just be the Scots. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that was a bit of a rub. I, <laughs> the guy gets a try, uh, and it's kind of like, oh, second coming of Christ sort of thing, which I feel like we're falling into a bit with Joey Carberry. But uh, yeah, yeah, that reminds me of the What are your guys' predictions for this match coming up? Um, I, think, I think France will win. I think they'll get the bonus point, but I don't see them winning by more than 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they I, do because they're facing a weakened team, but <laughs> they're definitely capable of it. They've but... done it twice before. Yeah, whether I think like, well, I'm I'm on the big emotional train this week. I think, but <laughs> when you talk about like everything that's gone on and with regard to Scotland being hard done by and all that, I don't know. It just feels like I don't think Scotland will win, but it feels like Fr- France have almost undone themselves. Yeah, They've given ammunition to the Scots basically to to fire them up and I think when you're dealing with an underdog team anyway and then you give them ammunition you're just creating a hell of a lot more adversity for yourself than otherwise necessarily needs to be there so yeah I don't know France they don't seem like the smartest operators <laughs> diplomatically with regard to how they carry on so I think that could play a big part we'll probably mm. 
mean the Scots put up more resistance than they otherwise would have done. So yeah, I think that's to win, but not enough, as you say, Neil, not enough. I'm I'm going for um France to come out and basically uh try and rip them to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I want and... that to happen. Because cause, um they like my main worry is is not that France can't score enough; it's that they might leak in too many tries. Um, so they could just go all out and just go, look, we'll just score like if we score eight tries and you score four, we still win. So, yeah. see, I think you're in the mindset I was in last week. I thought they'd do that against Wales, and mm. they they didn't. Now maybe Wales are just a whole whole lot better than I or any of us are giving them credit, mm. but. Uh, I genuinely thought France were going to Muller Wales last week, and yeah. it was like as close as it can be. So mm. I don't know. Scotland don't have as much to play for as Wales necessarily, but uh, they have thirds lots to play for. But not sure how much that has a motivational for a player. Yeah, I mean uh, they have the backline to really hurt France in an open match. Like yeah, if you if if what you suspect is true, Rob, and France are going to mm. just throw themselves into the fray and try and score as much as they can. I don't know if that's the way to actually do it because I think uh, they might try that, but I think you'd be kind of... Obviously, I don't know how many players Scotland have of their full-strength team, but I think if you play the kind that kind of way against Scotland's backline, I'm not sure that's going to pay off for you. I think you might actually be playing into their hands a bit by doing that. Oh, absolutely. Like Duan um, van der Meerwe. He's Talk about players in ascendancy. He had a phenomenal Six Nations, I think. Yeah, what, uh, what were the stats floating around with regard to some of his shit? Does anyone remember? His miss, his miss tackles or whatever broken tackles. tackles. Broken tackles was like miss tackles is a different stat altogether. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like um, I think it was like thirteen or fourteen more than the next nearest nearest player or something. So didn't he have some stat where it was like meters gained? He's already like the one of the highest Scottish players ever. in Six Nations ever meters it gained. Could could be or something like that. Yeah, but and then people were saying, "Oh, well, was, he played Italy a few times." And mm. then so I saw people saying, "Yeah, but every other Scottish team has played <laughs> Italy a few times too." So you know, it's not like uh, it's not like they've just come out of the blue. But yeah, I mean, he certainly—I'm not saying Low is done for, but if you look at kind of project players and compare him to Low, it feels like not they, that he. They, yeah, sorry, I was thinking of that, but he's leaving straight away. Yeah. Um, he, he qualified I'd rather you have a player that sticks around with the club for years while he's playing for Ireland, even if he's never get picked again, than someone who might offer more to the team, international team, but leaves straight away. So, sorry, do you not think he'll keep playing for Scotland, though? Oh, he will, but he's, he's leaving Scotland. Yeah, but he'll still play for the national team. Hogg left Scotland. Yeah, but there's a difference between Hogg coming through the thing and someone getting there, coming through the system and, and leaving for a different club than someone who gets their Scottish um, residency and leaves the first chance he gets. Same with Strauss who played for him at eight. Like, I can understand them, like, they have to maximize the career, but it just feels bad when you're... It, it comes wait across... Wait three years. Yeah. Get picked, get capped, and then leave. Mercenary. Yeah, the, 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 those players are always going to be hit with that label and if you pretty much leave for the bigger paycheck at the first opportunity, that's, I don't know, kind of hard to avoid that label then. Yeah, but when he plays that well, you're kind of you you let him not that you let him, but you give him a bit of leeway. Like, oh yeah, you know like, I mean? like I imagine whatever offer he was offered was probably phenomenal. Um, mm. Where is he going? Gloucester is it? Bristol, Worcester, 
Okay, okay. Feels yeah. <laughs> so who else? It was like um, Gray left, and he's like, "You went to sail." Mm. <laughs> Three years ago, you're like, what? <laughs> it's like, no, just, he's like, oh, he's going for a big French team, or maybe Sarah hasn't. No, he's just going to sail. Yeah, it's weird, like, that there's there's money enough in these yeah. not frontline English teams. Maybe Worcester are better than I know, but it feels odd that these, not that they're no name teams, but these teams that don't have the history in the English Premiership, say, getting mm-hmm. these, what I would think are big name players, for me at least just seems odd. Oh, it'd be like Connacht buying, like, I don't know, Bowden Barrett or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be shocking. <laughs> yeah. Um, we leave it there because we got only a few minutes to go before the, the French game kicks off. Sure. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, so, uh, Wales to win Six Nations, but Scotland to come up, uh, sorry, France to win this Scotland. game, I think. Okay. Any any other thoughts, Dave? Bazinga. <laughs> Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>